Hello and welcome to the Football Index Weekly Podcast, episode 65, featuring FI Bitter and Zen. It was a really good podcast, you know, actually one of my favourites, I'm really loving this three-person format, I've been saying it's one of my favourites the last few weeks, because I keep having three people on, it just adds a whole other dynamic. Now, disclaimer, this could be somewhat mistimed in a way, you know, we recorded this on Thursday as offers came in, all seemed well until Sunday. You're more than aware, I'm sure, of the crash that happened on Sunday evening. Like, nothing I've ever seen on Football Index before. Like, nothing I'm sure a lot of you have ever seen before. And, you know, this podcast, we don't really address that because we recorded it two or three days before. We were actually upbeat. There's some absolutely hilarious quotes, um, you know, of us being like, saying how great it is and the only way is up and this sort of stuff, you know. We were very excited and that's just not how it's panned out. Now, where I direct you, if you're looking for kind of more, this is a great podcast. We we don't really delve in and waste too much time in the offers, thankfully now, because it would be somewhat defunct information. We we actually go into a lot about trading strategies and trading in general, and it's so I really recommend you listen to this one. Regardless, uh, we really don't dwell on offers too much at all. But if you want to hear about the kind of as I'm calling it the meltdown of last night, I'm recording this intro on a Monday, so Sunday night. Head over to my YouTube, search John Nellis. If you search Football Index, you'll probably find me. Football Index Weekly, I'd say you definitely find me. Search those, and I put up a. I did a live stream last night for two hours, and I just want to genuinely thank you all so so much. I was kind of sitting downstairs drinking a cup of tea, I'd watched the PSG game, and I just the market started tanking. I said, you know what, fuck it. Sorry, Rebecca, that's my girlfriend. I'm I'm way up here. I have to do a live stream. And I thought it would be me ranting for about 20 minutes and about 20 of yous. Turned out there was about 400 years at any one time. Over 1,500 people viewed the video within its while I was live. So like over the two hours, 1,500 people checked in. These were amazing in the comments. These were very engaging. And what it turned into was almost like a little, you know, we got through it together. At about between 5 and 10 guests on. Um, it was just a really nice thing. And I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but on Monday night... Uh, that's Monday the 14th of September at 9pm. We're doing Monday Mass. <laughs> we're going to do it all again. If 10 plus guests lined up, we're going to look at the market. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to get t- different people's views. If you listen to this podcast and you want to come on YouTube and talk to me, hit me up, slide in my DMs, and I'll send you a Zoom invite later and we'll have a chat live on air. Um, and, and just tune in for that, really. Really, a lot's going on through the YouTube at the minute, live content. Um, so if you're into that, go over there. But this podcast... Really good one. I really, really am happy with this podcast. One of my favourites, and I mean that. The lads are great. Zen speaks a lot of sense, and FI Bitter is relatively new, but has his head screwed on, and, and it's just really good. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. One thing I do need to say before you get into it is just to thank sponsors of the show. Footstock. Footstock, have I've, they're sticking over half a million into their marketing. Half a million into their marketing. For a company like Footstock, that's huge. That started about a week ago. And uh, yeah, just a very promising time. If you aren't in the 100k free roll yet, you aren't too late. I've only submitted two teams. I plan on submitting north of 10 teams. But it actually makes more sense to get a bit of data and a bit of form and a bit of you know injuries and who's got this and who's got that. So it's, it's not too late to be entering the 100k free roll. It really isn't. And I'd say you could assemble a competitive team with between 50 and 100 quid. You'll be in with a chance of winning top prize at 25k. So... Look, check out Footstock, and if you do, use my link in the description. I'm an affiliate. I do get something if you use that link, but it helps uh, support the production of content, so please use it. Other than that, guys, look, I hope you are all doing well. It's a tough time mentally for a lot of us. I'm sure there's some that have overexposed. 
if you have overexposed, if you are worrying, if you can't look your missus in the eye or your man in the eye if you're a female, if you're just a bit worried, if you've overexposed yourself and been irresponsible, that's no problem. Do you know? It's okay. Things are going to be fine. Slide into my DMs. Give me a shout. If you want to have a chat, let's have a chat. I'm here for you. Um, and I mean that. I really do mean that. It, it, things are going to get better. And if they don't get better, there's 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 bigger, badder things in life. We'll, we'll get through this together, lads and ladies. So, yeah, look, come on to YouTube tonight and uh, everything's going to be okay. I'll chat to you soon. And now I'm joined by another duo for the second week in a row. I'm joined by F.I. Bitter and Zen and the Art of Football Index. I'll come to you first, Bitter, just because you're first on my notes. How are you? And tell us a bit about your time of Football Index so far. Yeah. Uh, hi, John. Very nice to be on your podcast. Um, I think I'm feeling pretty good at the moment. Obviously, it's a big, big day for Football Index. Um, I'm don't want to spoil anything, but I'm pretty happy with how everything's gone so far today. Uh, I've been on Football Index since mid-April. So I've probably been watching Football Index since probably like late 2018, something like that. Um, I've never really had the balls or the disposable income to really dive into something like this in the past. Um, but then with like not having to travel to work and things like that, I had a little bit of more disposable income and um, decided to put it into FI and haven't looked back since and hopefully won't for a long time to come very good yeah it's very interesting six months to come on board really yeah. is the amount of changes that have fucking happened i thought whenever i i signed up a year and a half ago a year and eight months ago share split was inbound i thought it was going to be a mad time but the last since covid it's just blown it out of the water zen what's the story with you and your full name zen and the art of football index tell us a bit about that as well Hi, John. Thank you very much for having me on on this most auspicious of <laughs> index days, isn't it? Mm. Um, so yeah, I have been on the index quite quite a while. I've been on since May 2017, so coming up three and a half years. And uh, I'm not a huge portfolio holder, um, and I've I've always sort of played a little bit fast and loose with the index. I've put money in. I've taken money out. I've paid for the odd holiday with uh, with profits and things like that um but uh, overall i've i've loved the game it's changed beyond recognition uh from when i started you know we only had 200 tradable players when i started and and now look at us um but the last 12 months have been huge um both in in some negative things and, and now some really really positive things happening uh, and i think we're at the start of an amazing new era well, that, that's it. Today is a huge day. I don't think it can be understated, the, the move that was made today. It, it kind of, you know, we've been expecting it for a long time. And in fairness to them, they've delivered this early September as promised. Now, I know it was promised maybe a bit earlier and pushed back and blah, blah, blah. But it's here. The next, the offers are here. They're in. Today is a bit of a mad day. Uh, I'm sure over the next two or three weeks, there'll be a bit more madness. Football back, fucking 20 PIPDs for a defender scoring a goal. Uh, the next sort of step of this order book system coming in later in the month. It's going to be a mad month, I'm sure. But 
do you know today in itself I'll come back to you Zen how do you think it's went is it what you expected what were you expecting how it's played out just kind of go on a bit of a monologue tell us about today uh, for you yeah I think um, uh, today has played out um, pretty much um, as I expected and I think uh, just looking at Twitter today most of the people who'd uh, given a little personal forecast about how uh, they thought their portfolio was going to do. I think they've been mostly fairly accurate. And in fact, maybe that's one of the ways that we can judge today is those people who had thought through um, what this meant, probably had access to slightly better data than some other people and kept more data themselves. Those people have been able to see what's coming um, judge it for themselves, know what it means, and be okay with it. Mm. Whereas other people who possibly don't keep so much data are a little bit more shocked by the scale of, of what's happened um, and how this looks to them today. So I'm not worried about it at all. I think it's been a great day. I think that the, the key things that we needed to happen today um, have happened. Nothing uh, particularly unexpected. Everything's kind of gone with sentiment but the opportunities that are there now should we wish to take them are enormous and i've already done a little bit of trading this afternoon since the markets reopened just to just to test a couple of theories um and uh, everything that's happened has been really really positive and and the tech's worked which was actually my biggest thing for today mm. the tech has worked and um and for that we should be very thankful yeah to me this almost feels like okay, today's a kick in the bollocks. Do you know, your, your your portfolio value, as much as it's expected, you know, okay, there's an 8% hit, mate. There's a kick in the balls. But the next year, the liquidity that that's going to provide this this new mechanism of trading and everything else that comes with it, it's really just like, right, that's another step towards setting up the platform in a beautiful way so that it's perfect for the season ahead, the enhanced dividends on offer and the growth we're expecting over the next year. It's like, right, there you are. Take that, lads. Now you are fucking ready. Let's go again. It just feels like, okay, hitting the reset button. This is a new way of trading. Let's fucking go. It's kind yeah, of how it feels to me. There are, things that, there are things that have meaning on the index, and there are things that are temporary and, and essentially meaningless. So, for example, yes, we've had uh, probably I'm, I'm about 10% down, I think, uh, today. But yesterday, I was up about two and a half percent and that that was equal i wasn't getting excited about that because that was just as meaningless as the 10 percent drop today it's these are temporary momentary readjustments corrections of the market um and that's all they are so by, exactly. by saturday by sunday we're going to have forgotten about all this stuff and i i'll come to you now better to kind of go off on the same thing tell us about today what you expected what's happened any other things you want it but a message i keep getting from people i've maybe got four five six of them since four o'clock we're recording this half six on the daily announcement on thursday is holy fuck john what's happening football index because a lot of beginners message me and be like i've just signed up mate what do i do i've just signed up what would you recommend and it's like okay do this do this do this by, by my biggest hold of course that's obviously what i tell them and <laughs> but like they're at me now being like what the fuck is happening and i'm kind of like look don't worry don't panic this was coming everyone expected it if you'd kept your ear to the ground you'd have known about it the intrinsic value of your bet has not changed since yesterday it's just numbers on the screen forget about it um and I, that, that's the way i'm kind of looking at it i was saying to you two before we recorded i've kind of distanced myself in, in a major way i've just kind of just decided not to really care or trade act too much on it i'm just like letting it sit 
Um, it's obviously good being able to put a few offers in on players that have been locked in for fucking ages, but other than that, I'm just kind of content. Um, bitter. What's the story? Yeah, I think the the main thing that you've said for me is that the value of the players haven't changed. The, the dividend table hasn't changed today. So the long-term value of every player on the index is exactly the same as it is today as it was yesterday, even though that portfolio value that we all look at is probably quite a lot lower. Like I think I'm I'm probably down about 6% over 24 hours. But then as Zen said, we've seen big, big rises over the last seven days. Um, so I think when I look at my portfolio from like a, a true value, I'm actually about where I was when the dividend table was first announced. So only half a month ago, something like that. Um, and it's been a very, um, almost like false market because people have known that this has been coming. Um, I don't think that there's much to really um, go into beyond that as well. But I think I've also tried to distance myself. Um, I've kind of gave myself the the task of not trading in and out of players at all, really, today. Um, I've picked up a little bit of Mbappe just because I saw his spread was a bit wider than usual um, when looking over like 28-day averages and things like that. Um, but I've spent most of my time just reviewing the market. I had some ideas of what I expected to happen going into today. I think because the orders are the big change, a lot of people were going to be testing them out, whether they thought that was the best thing for them in the long run or not. They just wanted to test what what that involved. So that was why we saw those big decreases straight away. Obviously, over the last six months, um, particularly since I've joined, when I joined, there wasn't even an instant sell. So there was the instant sell button, but I didn't realize that if I wanted to instant sell, I couldn't even do it. So I could click the button, but it wouldn't sell them to anyone. Um, mm. So there's been a lot of money tied up over the last six months and probably even longer as well. Um, so it, it's just a correction that needed to happen. And it's a correction that's going to be very good for the long-term football index. And if anything, there's just more opportunity for value now because those buy prices are theoretically 5%, 10% lower than they were yesterday. Yeah, and it, just to reiterate, it's the intrinsic value of the bet hasn't changed. It's just how football index displays it to you in, in many ways. Can I, can I chuck in a little counterpoint? Do you? Because... Um... And I'm not disagreeing with what you guys said at all. You're absolutely right. But this intrinsic value phrase is one that's come to divide, it certainly has. divides FI yeah. Twitter. And I'm probably on slightly the other side of that argument in that I'm quite interested in game theory as it applies to football index. And what I would say is, although... You're right in that, um, and, and Bidder makes that makes the correct point that the um, the matrix hasn't changed, and the dividends have gone up enormously. So, in that sense, the the rewards that are are out there now for us are uh, hugely more uh, enticing, and, and the percentage gains that are there for those players that win those dividends are, are now massive. However, the game has changed in as much as we are now on both sides of the market, buy and sell, in the hands of each other. Mm. And that is a significant change. It's a significant change to how we should assess risk on the platform. 
And we've had an extremely good example of that this week with Niccolo Zaniolo, because any of us, I, I, I doubt there's a single person on the index who 10 days ago wouldn't have looked at Zaniolo and said, that kid ticks just about every single box in terms of his age, the club he's at, his suitability to the matrix. Um, you know, he's kind of got it all to be a future FI superstar. You know, you, mm. you, you look at him and think, you know, that's a potential five, six, seven pound player easily. Now he had, he had had an ACL injury previously, um, but now uh, without that um, instant sell option, which as Bidder says, hasn't existed for, for six months or so, but now is gone forever. And, and now the, the, the offer of any price is in the hands of other traders. A player like Zaniolo this week will have worried a great many people mm. where suddenly he had no sell price um, yeah. for, for a period of time. And, and, and now is, you know, you can look at it either way. And I, I won't get into the, the rights and wrongs of it because depending on how you trade, Zaniolo represents possibly a, a superb opportunity to buy if you believe that he's going to make a full recovery um, or you believe that that actually uh, that price reduction is is uh, valid given the concerns that you might have around a double ACL. So I, I don't want us to get into the rights and wrongs of that, um, but it does show that there is a, there is a big change there in terms of intrinsic values. Zaniolo's intrinsic value can be seen as being extremely different to what it was 10 days ago. Do you think, though, I mean, obviously Zaniolo is an extreme example because he's done a second ACL within nine or ten months. Do you th- now, and I'm really just spitballing here. I'm not particularly au fait with all this. And I do kind of throw intrinsic value out there a bit willy-nilly. What intrinsic value to me means, which is not exactly its meaning uh, per definition, but in my head when I throw it out there, what I'm thinking is like, do you know, the situation that player's in, obviously take, and like when I say is intrinsic value is the same, but I'm, I'm just assuming all circumstances haven't changed in terms of injury, in terms of transfer, in terms of evidence. You know, it's, it's static. Not, not, no news has come out in this play in the last day. The current the dividend offerings going forward, their price and their situation, their intrinsic value hasn't changed since yesterday. However, I understand that as the market changes, as the risk changes, as spreads tighten, as values come down, you could argue, yes, that the intrinsic value has changed because the risk has changed as well. Am I right in saying that or am I making a dick of myself? No, no, I think I think you're right. But I, I think the, the point is uh, that um, there are there are still factors that um, can affect a player's price enormously. Let's look at a reverse situation from Zaniolo. Let's look at um, Odia Nigalo. You know, a few months ago, he was playing in China. He was a 30-plus 30 30 plus player playing in China. The very definition of worthlessness on football yeah. index. And now, and then suddenly, he's a Man United player. His, his uh, percentage dividend return over the last few months has been one of the best on the index, but now he's back again. So all I'm saying is, is that um, I think it's not, it's not that it's incorrect to um, link the intrinsic value to the dividend potential. It's just recognizing that there are huge factors, you know, an injury, um, a transfer can have an enormous effect on a player's dividend potential. And so if you try and extrapolate 
intrinsic value over too long a period it's you know you can possible uh, very easily make, you can very easily make a, a, a you know a bad calculation on that um even sancho you know even sancho potentially in the long term of course he probably represents one of the safest bets on the index but if you look at sancho uh say for the next six months or 12 months whether he moves to manchester united or not this summer clearly is probably going to affect hugely how many dividends he might win uh in the next 12 months so it all depends on the time frame that you're looking at i think this is why it's so difficult to 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 value these players and i think this is maybe something that i i think i've learned at least since i joined the index um because i I've had no experience of in the past being able to sell a player instantly for whatever the historical spreads were, for instance, sell, was it like 5% or 10% or something like that? Um, so that was obviously a much easier out point from what I can tell based on what other people have said on Twitter timeline and things like that. So I'm also, I'm, I'm when I'm valuing players, I'm not even thinking that we're technically at a higher risk because we are trading from trader to trader and obviously there's the the dividends still underpin what should be estimated career dividends and that's what i think i've learned and i, I didn't understand at the start where players prices are the way that they are maybe not right now because the dividends have increased but a player's price should be based on how many dividends they are expected to win by the market on average across the coal of their career because then people can buy into that price with the expectation that they will return their value so even if they hold them to retirement then they will still make money on that trade and then obviously if they can sell them at the end of that as well they make additional money on top of that so it's an interesting one. It, it it depends very much on your trading style, and and you know there's a lot of argument uh, in the community about the rights and wrongs of various things, and and most of the time, uh, people who are having those arguments are are both right and wrong at exactly the same time. It's a bit like a sort of Schrodinger's cat of of price argument, in that uh, somebody somebody can be can be be seen to be both value 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 less and valuable at the same time. And it's purely dependent on the, the amount of time that you're looking at. I'm quite a short-term trader, quite an active. I define myself as a swing trader, which means I'm normally looking to hold players from anything to seven to 90 days. That's pretty much my sort of window. And I don't tend to hold, if, if I hold a player longer than 90 days, something's, something's gone wrong. And so, uh, you know, I'm gonna make a very different a calculation about about a player like Zaniolo um, because his price prospect over 90 days probably isn't that great it could it could be actually you, you never know how people will react to these things um, you know uh, but um, it's funny it's often the the, the sort of triggers uh, that people will go off I noticed the other day that uh, Fabrizio Romano tweeted i thought it was an odd thing for him to tweet he tweeted about zaniolo and he said uh, zaniolo second acl out till february and i thought to myself i wonder why you've been so specific about february i mean you know fabrizio is good on transfers but he's not a he's not a physio um and with the second acl and the fact the fact that zaniolo's perhaps come back a tiny bit quick which is uh, I think it's a, a sort of known fact that if you if you rush back from first ACL, you have a 50% a 
chance of, of a, a second one, which is what's happened to him. And so if anything, I was looking at thinking, well, I don't I don't know that he's coming back in February. That, that could be he could be out for the season. He could he could not play. He could not kick a football again until August next year. Uh, he he could miss the Euros. I don't know he's going to miss the Euros. I don't. I wouldn't want anybody to <laughs> trade based on that. But it's possible. And so for me, I'm looking at that, thinking, oh, you know, it just, I, I, it's too far away for me to want to trade it the way that the way that I trade. Whereas somebody looking at uh, a three-year bet, of course, they'll be thinking, hey, I get in now. I'm quite happy to to sit on that. And and there will be come come next August, next season, when he will undoubtedly, I would, I would have thought, be, be be back playing, uh, given his age. Um, you know, the the likelihood is that, that there's considerable profits being made there if you're prepared to hold that long. The IV debate for me, I, I had a podcast back. Jeez, it's it's crazy looking at the date now. I just feel like COVID's just flown, but fucking hell. It was like February now, end of January even. It was when I got my ACL, funny we're speaking of it. It was on my way back in the car from getting my ACL treatment. I tweeted something like, um, what will the fucking guy returning his career? I don't give a fuck. I care what he returns over the, the period I hold him or some bullshit and got like mass engagement lambasted from some praised by others on this iv debate and i had a bit a bit of a debate with jay hall about it in a podcast in february and i kind of came into it with the fuck iv thing and he came into it loving iv and how i kind of came away from it was there's a percentage of traders in the market who who live by it and you need to be aware of that because that will underpin a percentage of that player's value to some of the traders on the market. And if to 20% of traders on the market, a player is estimated to be worth 180 over the course of their career, you can use that. It Knowledge is power. You should be understanding it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the be-all and end-all. And it also is a tricky one because I think age plays a massive factor in how important that is. A 30-year-old's projected career dividends is 10 times easier to predict than Jadon Sancho's. And even for like the likes of Jadon Sancho, it's just impossible. You can speculate, you can have your models, and we can use big words, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. Bottom line is, there's not a mission you're predicting it accurately. Because he goes to United, he doesn't go to United. You could argue that if he doesn't go to United now, he wins more media in his career because there's another year of speculation. But equally, you could argue if he goes now, he's another year at Man United. And who, who knows who's right there? Depends on the level of speculation. Depends on the drama of the next year. Depends on a million different things. The the IV one is something that's very hotly debated within the community, and I I find it fascinating. Like because I just don't think there really is a correct answer, and people will talk on either side of it as as if there is. But the way I the way I view it is, it kind of just needs to be understood and viewed as a tool for your own unique maybe valuation model or however you do it. And when I say valuation model, it sounds like a bunch of mumbo jumbo and a bunch of people listening to this podcast are probably lads who work on the site and have 40 quid in football index and don't give a shit about valuation models what that is to me is how i look at a player's price on football index and in my head within 10 seconds within five seconds make a calculation as to what i think they're worth and do they look undervalued based on comparative value intrinsic value this value that value milestones to come a million different metrics their nationality biases this that sentiment within the twitter sphere you know there's so many things and to me that's how i value people um i kind of went off on one there and i forget where i even came from but we're here now lads take it away (laughs) (laughs) i think i did that earlier as well (laughs) um yeah the whole sentiment thing is that's just another layer on top of everything that is if anything even more difficult to tell what's going to be happening in a year's time who's the sentiment going to be with um but like in 
in a way trying to bring it back to what the, the orders today. So I think what you mentioned earlier, where it's easier to predict the potential dividend return of someone who is 30 compared to 21. I think that in a microcosm helps explain why we've seen Messi drop £1.56 today versus Zaniolo, who's only only dropped £1.11 because a year of still being at Barcelona, although that's still a good thing for Messi, the he's maybe only got three years left in his career to earn those dividends. So that actually has a comparatively much bigger impact on Zaniolo potentially only missing an, another season. And then he's still got another 10, 12 seasons after that to earn those dividends. Um, and I think that's what is gonna really, as we continue forward into next season, these both the buy price and the sell price is going to increase and decrease um, pretty uh, significantly just based upon sentiment, but then also um like the fact is like how many years do people have left in their career um what is their current situation but then it's so difficult to predict what is their future situation even two weeks six months six years down the line yeah i i think you guys you guys have nailed it i mean i'd be honest perhaps it's because of the short-term nature of, of the way that i trade is that i actually find older players much easier to trade much much easier to trade and, and John, I think you, you, as you just said, you, it's it's kind of easier to predict, and it's also easier to predict, or for me at least, easier to predict how people are going to behave uh, with older players, which is that they're fundamentally going to be scared, mm. <laughs> um, because and and I can I can point out and by contrast, I'm a, I'm a terrible terrible trader of young players. I I remember <clears throat> one particular example. I which seemed entirely logical to me i bought just before the january transfer window i bought jonathan david who was at the time in the belgian league and and you know this canadian kind of uh, 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 potential star and i i held him i thought i'll buy him he hadn't gone up much i thought i'll buy him in december he'll he'll get linked somewhere maybe he'll even move in january and um and i'll get rid of him during the window and as it turned out, nothing much happened. And um, I ended up getting to the last day, literally as the transfer window shut, I thought to myself, okay, never mind, that one didn't work out. Uh, so I sold him. And literally two days after the window shut, he took off in price. And I thought, what the hell is that all about? He's, he's, <laughs> he's not, either, he, you know, he's, he's in a non-PB league now until until you know august september till till the leaks come back how how why now why now why are you all buying him now it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever and and but what it taught me was that other people's view of timing is not my view of timing and that's so important when you trade to not sit there and think my logic is right because the market can just make you look incredibly foolish if you do that. And so I, I, I kind of learned a very valuable lesson there. Um, but fundamentally, I, I, I find myself making too many mistakes with young players. I, I constantly sort of undervalue just how far they can go. Um, and the number of young players that I've bought and sold and then watched soar onward 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 is uh, is crazy and i just i've just come to the realization that's just not me it's not how i trade it's just not how my brain works so i i stay in my lane and i and i trade 
the way that I trade, I hone the process that I've found works for me. Um, and, and, and that's great. And, and the beauty of that is that everybody's got their own way of doing it. Um, and we need that difference. We need that difference to make this market liquid. Uh, yeah, I was, I was going to say that's the, the real beauty of FI to me, the fact that so many different approaches can work. And um, I do buy into younger players. Um, I don't think I've got a, a huge amount of my portfolio in kind of like under 20 year olds. But I'm almost like a little bit embarrassed to say that I actually follow the sentiment with younger players. Uh, so if I hear a lot of buzz on the timelines, I'm not talking about massive kind of holdings in these players. Um, but I, if I see the market is getting pretty excited about a young player, I'll buy like a small like entry holding on a player. And I may only make kind of small amounts overall because of that. But um I think the difficult thing then is then figuring out what is the exit point because, for example, Ray and Cherokee, I've seen him play maybe, I don't know, honestly, maybe 10 or 20 minutes of first team football and I own five shares or something like that. But then how on earth do I know, particularly with it being a lot more trader versus trader now, when on earth do I get out of that trade? Um, I've just got no idea, but I'm just holding him for the sake of it. I think it's funny, like, I literally, whenever I went to talk and you talked and I said, go ahead, my thing that I was coming in with was when just when you were talking about how tricky it is to value young players in, because so, so much of it is so fucking irrational, or just, even if it's rational, it's hard to quantify. Because I my example was Cherky. Don't get me wrong, watch the kid. He, he looks amazing. In, in like 45 minutes worth of senior football, his highlight reel is like six, seven minutes long or something stupid. Like every time he gets the ball, he looks electric. He's cheeky. He's fucking confident. He has the ability to back it up. He looks like, he looks like, you know, he's making people here, flicking it there, doing this, both footed, does whatever the fuck he wants with the ball. Looks amazing. 16, another 20 years of a career potentially with health advancement, or 20 years of a career. Fucking outstanding. But I'm like, okay, is that worth six quid? Is that worth nine quid i honestly do not know and i'd love to buy him because i mean I, I like i know if i buy him today at six quid in two years time in fact i don't know i actually don't know because what's to say he doesn't become a fucking ravel morrison do you know i know it's a bit different but you know you know what i'm saying you don't know so i don't know like how much is that punt worth to people i find that impossible to quantify sometimes and quite often your best just fucking rising like you see the rise coming it comes with everyone like you know where Greenwood and Foden are now, you've no doubt at some stage in the next six months they'll have another bump. Something will happen and one will drag the other. Saka will probably come up behind. Do you know, it's the way it works. I have no doubt that, you know, the likes of Hal and Cherky, these boys, they'll keep going. And Bappe, they'll keep going. But for a lot of them, while well, you've got dividend yields to monitor and look at and blah, 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 it's fine. But when it's a 16-year-old who's such limited football, fuck me, trying to value that, I just... And then you've, you've got the angle of... For example, Cherky versus Kamavinga as well, both 17-year-olds, both supposed wonder kids in the media. Um, I would feel more confident about Cherky because he is a more he looks to be a more attacking footballer, whereas Kamavinga looks to be more defensive, and typically defensive midfielders don't score as highly um than attacking midfielders. So I feel like he is, particularly if he gets a move to forward, he's potentially higher priced because of that. But then you have no idea if the matrix is going to change in another season and that will value defensive midfielders with loads of passes even higher than they are now and then the value swings there 
Um, so yeah, it's I kind of I don't try not to use like intrinsic value because I think a lot of people use it for different means. Um, but the way that I value players is just based upon the um, uh, as many data points as I can find, and then having as many data points as I can find is better than having fewer. And then I just make my valuation on that, and then hopefully keep my fingers crossed. Hopefully, it fucking works out. Um, so, have you anything to say on that before I move on? Yeah, well, it's going to sound terrible because I'm I'm complete opposite. I'm, I don't hold Cherky, and I, you know, it's not that Cherky couldn't be an, an astounding player. Absolutely, he could. But actually, out of the two of them, the one I hold is Camavinga, because there are just different factors that I like about him. Um, and as much as uh, it's really interesting because with Cherky, John, you were absolutely right. The things that are great about Cherky are the things that really they're the emotional pulls. You know, it, it is his creativity, the things that he can do. You watch it and you just go, my God, he just looks like a superstar. But the way I look at it in, in my sort of Zen way of looking at it is I look at it and go, you know, you can lose you can lose that stuff. You know, it's a bit like Michael Owen. You know, Michael Owen had all, had had everything, and 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 injuries robbed him of it. Whereas I look at with Camavinga, um, I, I absolutely understand what Bit is saying about yeah, positionally he's not quite as matrix friendly. I actually quite like the fact he's playing a bit further forward. But I look at other factors. I look at the fact that I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now how many minutes Leon are going to give Turkey this season. I'm not sure. Whereas I think Ren are going to give. Camavinga a lot more, so I think he, I think he could be on the pitch winning dividends a lot more than Cherky. I think uh, I think he plays for he plays for a team that are in Europe and Cherky doesn't. Um, I think Camavinga is already in, uh, in in and around the France national setup and and played for the, for the French national team. Cherky is nowhere near that. He's also in terms of Euros. Uh, Camavinga could could play at the Euros. I don't think it's any, I'll be honest. I, I kind of doubt Cherky's going to the Euros. But this is the beauty of it. We've all got slightly different ways over different time periods and different factors that we value. Um, and, and that's to be celebrated. There's nothing right or wrong about any of it. Yeah, it's it's funny because like, I know what you're saying about Camavinga there. Whenever you, you talk, about, I knew what your counter-argument was going to be and why. And it's so interesting to see why one person would hold one and not the other. And then the values come into it. And it is great, as you say, that Camavinga, I think, whenever he first IPO'd into a lot of people, he was quite a defensive midfielder and fuck that. But he, it was the rumours were circulating about him playing a bit further forward and people had watched games and analysis and he was playing a bit further forward and then he comes and gets the goal and it's like, right, okay. And that's when he fucking rises. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know what led us here, guys, but it's an interesting fucking conversation and it's good that there's kind of contrasting points of views. And that, that's the beauty of having three people on. I need to do this more often. Something I want to touch on very quickly, then maybe we'll do some questions. And I mean, the order book sort of, the announcement that not the announcement that the offers that come in today the change of the market today is obviously an underlying theme throughout and some of the questions are reference but we can't talk about other things and a big thing that i think has been a factor the last week is acls do you know there was first off zaniolo went from what just been over three quid and then there was no buy price 230 240 you could pick them up for if you put a bid in it was matched in seconds and then this came in and now he's at 180 or something and the horrible thing about it was that he just came back from his other knees acl 
and that seemed like a bit of a fucking crazy thing. Like, I, listeners are fucking sick of hearing me ranting about my ACL. But, like, when I was talking about physio, he was saying about, like, no, we'll get you back to 100% and all. They'll do the strength test on both legs and da-da-da. You know, the risk of injury, if you do the rehab correctly, shouldn't be there on the other leg or on that leg. Again, you shouldn't be more susceptible to more ACLs. That's not how it works, is what he was saying to me. Which is kind of contrasting to what you said, Zen, but who fucking knows who's right? That's not the point. The point is, it happened with him, and I held him, and I said, fuck's sake. Ended up getting rid of him for 2.30. I said, fuck this, and I'm glad I did now. Um, then the next one, Chimia Villa. Yesterday, two days ago. His fucking ACL's gone. I bought him. I, I really was singing his praises at 88p or so. This was about months ago. Bought him, sold him just over a, a quid or late 90p's. Then left him, and then when I seen the La Liga fixtures, got him for IPDs, and then this happened, and now fucking hell, sell him for 60, 70p if I was lucky, and now he's down to like, I think I instant sold them all for like 65p last night, I think, can't remember, but he's like 48p or 49p now, the bid, fuck me. You would you would think, given given that, as I've said, I'm an active trader who likes 30-day holds, you would think that I would be all over the IPDs at the moment, mm. and I have not gone anywhere near them. Really? Because although the dividends is so tempting and the returns are there i just i i was looking at covid i was looking at the number of players particularly on the continent who are coming down with it and i just thought the downside on some of these trades is huge and in fact the ones the only few that i have gone for are the players who got covid early so i went for players like andy delort from montpellier because he <laughs> got it and he'd had it and he was back and I thought, well, that's great. That's the, the the downside is removed from him, so uh, you know I can I can I can trade on that. Um, but um, yeah, I'm I'm although this is so tempting, I'm actually really really mistrustful about going into. I'm certainly looking at the longer term. I'm any player that I'm buying for IPDs right now. I'm thinking if they get COVID, am I going to be happy to have them? You know, as a as a three month hold, not just a thirty day hold uh, for sure. Well, you see, I think that was kind of my thinking as well, going in because I was only buying players that I like anyway. So, like Jer Moreno, I've liked him anyway from he was picking him up in bids at ADP. I like I like his scores. I, I just didn't understand the price. I said this ten weeks ago on a podcast. I was like, I just don't understand his fucking price anyway. Uh, I know that his price would probably still be sitting there if it wasn't for his fixtures and for the IPDs. I get that. I'm not some wizard. I'm very lucky in terms that that happened. It's not like the best call in the world. But I like him, so I'm happy to hold him. There's a few others. Avila was one at sub a quid. The goal record he had pre-ACL, I was thinking, look, if he comes and scores a couple of goals, if he doesn't score, this season gets a few. Next season, January, gets a transfer. Wonderful. A couple of others I've bought who I just like. Um... Of course, Depay was one who I had held for a while, recycled the fucking shares and all, ready for IPD galore, off the Barcelona, fucking wonderful. And you know, it just happens like that. Um, Better, have you dabbled in this IPD kind of thing? Uh, Yes, so I did did make a few trades with IPDs in mind, going into um, just kind of looking towards the end of this, 20p for Devendus, uh, sorry, uh, 20p? Am I, th- Am I going crazy? Defender goal, defender, defender goal. goal. 20p, yeah. Um, yeah, normal goal, 10p. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I did um, buy a few players, a few players that I hadn't bought into before. So I think like Rafinha um, was one that I um, mm. bought into. Um, so I, this is really like my first major dabble into IPDs. Um, 
depending on how it goes, will define whether I carry on in the future. Um, and I think there is obviously there's so much more value up until the end of September. Um, it will probably obviously increase the risk as well. But I think I would probably pay it similar to you where if I saw a player that I already had a holding in score or assist, then that might be a situation where I can top up a little bit with the idea that I've got at least a few dividends already for that player, potentially, hopefully some match day dividends as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that goes over the next uh, two weeks or so. There was, there was actually just one other point I wanted to mention as well, just on the injury front. So I think that the injuries is going to be, it's going to be a really, really big thing because we have for the kind of, international players we've got almost three years of football ahead of us with no breaks really so I was quite surprised when football restarted and I think because there had been like the two months or three months break um, I didn't really identify that many major injuries because I was really wondering what was going to happen with prices after a, an injury and it didn't really happen at all from what I can remember but now we're getting into the new season and we've had a, a couple of fairly big ones already and then we've got the rest of this season then we've got the Euros then we've got the season after then we've got the World Cup then we've got the season after so it just increases the risk even even more that for those international players they're not really going to have an extended break potentially until three years down the line. And it really does mean that those players that are injury prone and have shown a record are probably there if, if there was ever a reason to steer clear or if it was ever in your thought process, the likes of Dembele or Coleman or whoever else, you know, it kind of adds to that, fuck, if they do get injured, like, you know, I, I don't know. I just think this, the timing of this as well is is a killer because if this had happened to Zanio a few weeks ago, his price wouldn't be 188. He'd probably be resurging from that injury dip. It's kind of like, I, I don't know, I just think it's very interesting the timing of these injuries and the way the market's played out. Um, and like like Saniolo one eighty one now. I mean he was at if we look at his graph, fucking hell three oh nine, but three days ago. Mm. Like the there's such an opportunity for the contrarian trader here though, mm. because what's again this is kind of a game theory thing. So you just mentioned Coman. Now I always get quite interested in players like that because what happens is when a player like Saniolo who seems to have you know every every good thing in front of him gets injured people in the same way that we make that comparative value between saying Cherky's rising Camavinga's he's going to drag Camavinga up the reverse also applies and oftentimes people don't realize that it applies but psychologically it does in that whether people really think about it or not when they see something like that happen to Zaniolo people will be now be scared of Komen for no good reason as far as you know mm. Komen's fine I mean, yes, he has history. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's going to get injured in the next yeah. week. But I, I tell you what, there's a there's a percentage of traders who are going to be scared of of buying the likes of Komen now, and and if you if you recognise that, and you actually you can sometimes see those sorts of players uh, lag behind when you when we get you know in rising markets, you'll find a player like Komen will lag, and it's that fear that he's another one of those injury type players. And sometimes that's the best time to buy them. Yeah. Because it's not because there's actually no logical reason for him to lag behind. 
uh, you know, in terms of in terms of how he is right now. Yes, of course, there's always the the risk factor, but you you can again, you can look at it either which way around. You can trade it either way. Um, you know, there's very little point in arguing on Twitter about this stuff. Just just know the way you trade, and trade it. I went. In, I bought into Komen. Um, I think he was probably in the first ten players that I bought because the Bundesliga restarted before all the other leagues. So I bought into Komen. Um, was pretty happy with it. He was quite a low price. Um, I think I got him through the matching engine. Um, so his price was pretty good. I was really happy with it. Um, then Bayern signed Leroy Sane. So I was a bit more cautious about his long-term value. So I added into the sell queue. Um, I think I added into the sell queue before the end of the Bundesliga season. And he sat in the sell queue and he sat in the sell queue and he scored in the Champions League final and he still sat in the sell queue. And I've still got him on the portfolio at the moment. So... <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to get rid of him. Yeah. Well, I think there you can is... buy him off me if you want, Zen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about that offline. <laughs> Zen's biggest hold, by the sounds of it. <laughs> but I know... no far from. <laughs> but it's it's funny, like, because the the lag from this in terms of ACLs and the sentiment behind them. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone shits themselves in the here ACL, and it is the biggest and it is the baddest. Uh, you'd rather they break their fucking leg, but even more so now after a few high profile ones. Uh, the Depay one was obviously still lingering in people's minds from obviously six, eight months ago. Uh, he was back very quickly. Now people will be thinking, oh, he's going to Barcelona. Jeez, look at these other two guys who did their ACL and did it in quick succession. Depay's only back. Is he going to do his ACL again? And there'll be a percentage of traders, 5, 10, 20%, however many, less maybe, who are like, fuck, I'm not buying him because of that. He had his ACL. And now that these two guys have done it, the next time someone does their ACL, let's say, Premier League kicks off in two days and fucking... Raheem Sterling does it. Bloodbath. And there always is a bloodbath. But the way these injuries always work out is it's a very quick, massive dip. And then the injury traders come in and pick them up at 20% off peak. Great. And then it steadily rises to back where they were and probably a bit more over the next few months. It's a really brilliant, patient way of trading. But I just see the next time there's an ACL, a new fucking way the market works. A bloodbath like... Um, and I don't see it resurging as quickly as maybe before, but maybe I'm wrong. I haven't actually thought this one out. What I did notice was there was a, a Bayer Leverkusen game I was watching after the restart, and there was quite a heavy tackle on Havertz. So as soon as I saw it, you didn't really know if it was serious or not. Obviously, it wasn't visibly serious, um, but I watched his price as I was watching the game and his instant sell fell away very, very quickly because of all of the, all the bids were probably removed because people didn't want to risk paying as high prices as they were previously without knowing what that injury was. But that market buy price stayed almost exactly the same. There weren't many people adding to the sell queue and things like that. Now that we've got orders, I imagine that that buy price will now start to follow the instant sell price where obviously people will be adding offers a lot lower just to try and mitigate that risk and potentially sell on that player in case there is a big injury. Um, and I think from what I saw on Twitter as well, there were quite a lot of people who were really happy with the fact that the instant sell price did fall away with a potential superstar injury. Um, but the market buy price stayed relatively stable. And I'll be interested to see what the reaction is. Like, Obviously, you don't want any player to ever get injured. But when that inevitably does happen for the first time, what is going to happen to that buy price? 
Something that's yeah. sorry, just very. In, this is a, an interesting point that's going to become very relevant very soon. Obviously, FI are going to be bringing in the depth of market, and where this will become very important in injury trading is volume. Volume will be fucking massive when it comes to this, because let's say a player's a fiver at the minute. Let's say he does his ACL, and let's say you want to sell him, and you're one of the first ones in to react. You're going to look at the depth of market and the volumes, and you're going to say, okay, well, at 480 and 485, there's a few, there's two, three hundred futures, and then you go down a bit more, and you go down a bit more, but then you look down the list and you see, Jesus Christ, there's a whale who's stuck in 15,000 at 420. You're not even going to fuck about and try and get 450. You're just going to go to 420 and hammer that big one, guarantee you're out, and get the fuck out. And this is where this volume is going to become so important. I think the volumes of the bids are really important when it comes to getting the fuck out in a panic. Um, yeah, there's um, there's a there's a technical point um, that's uh, it's probably worth making here just for a bit of specific advice to traders today because it's actually I, I it slightly caught me out. So obviously we've got used to bids and we've got used to the fact that if you're buying volume, uh, the price that you see uh, on the screen is 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 that average uh, average price is 300 shares and that if you if you buy say 100 shares uh, you'll you you may pay a slightly different price than than you think that applies in exactly the same way for offers um, so today I'll give you an example trade that I've made earlier on so I looked at uh, Perisic uh, who had a buy price of 53p and I thought, yeah, I quite like that. So I bought 100, but I didn't pay 53p. What I, what I paid, well, this, my transaction history said uh, it took £48. And then I got a separate line in my transaction history that said 61 pence by refund. And I went, ooh, okay. And so obviously what's happened there is that um, it can't reflect. So the, the actual average of those 100 lowest offers that I actually bought was even lower than the buy price. So I thought I was happy to buy at 53. Turns out I was buying at 48. <laughs> happy freaking days. Um, and, and actually, because it, even that wasn't an exact figure, that it then actually it then actually gave me the exact refund. So I've, I've, I've literally paid 47.61, uh, sorry, no, 47.39 pence Per share for Perisic, but that was buying off a buy price of of, uh, of fifty three. So there is there are some little additional percentages, little advantages with offers that I think as people trade a little bit more over the coming days, they'll start to, to figure out what's going on there. Um, but there's there's some really interesting stuff. So look at the look at the forensic detail as you trade. Look at the transaction history. As always, the biggest thing, the thing I go on about Twitter all the time to people is keep data if you keep data and you you spot this stuff um it becomes very apparent and then and then these are little edges little advantages that you can use in your trading that they add up so everyone go and start buying on ones buying fives don't buy in 300s um look guys you just want to move on to some questions we're, we're coming up towards the hour mark we've been going just over 50 minutes will we hit some of these questions and see what people have to say okay yeah, go so Football index buzz, good, better, or worse than you were expecting? So overall, just summarising a word or two, better, how did today go? I think we kind of summarised this literally first thing I talked to you about, but just uh, to give Buzz a shout out, good, better, or worse? I would go with better. Um, I 
I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen for sure. I think, the again, talking about different data points and similar to what Zen was saying earlier, the fact that we've got a community on Twitter or wherever else you get your football index content on index gain or whatever, there were so many people with slightly different opinions. If you try and take as many of those in and understand, trying to identify which of those you agree with, which you don't agree with, that should not send you far wrong. Um, so yeah, I was pretty happy with how everything's gone. It was better than I expected in terms of um, there wasn't as much fluctuation as I expected. The, the first big drop was big which is what I pretty much expected. I was expecting a bit of a rebound, which I don't think we really saw, but then for it to come back down again and to go back up again, that could still happen over the next couple of days, um, particularly once we get into the return of the Premier League. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how everything's gone. What about you, Zen? Yeah, I think as as well as could possibly be expected. I, I'm not. I don't, I don't know if it's better. If, if it's if it's in any way better, it's the fact that the tech held up as well as it did. Um, but but yeah, as 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 good as we could possibly have hoped for. Good. Yeah, I agree. I, I think so. The tech's a big factor there. I think everyone it was a sort of predefined conclusion what was happening with the the actual values of our portfolios. We all knew what was coming there, but the fact that the tech held up and there were no major hiccups is is a massive bonus because you never know what you're gonna get. Um, yeah just something else to add to that as well so what i like to try and do on like some of these big days is do uh, kind of like 15 minute analysis so i'll i'll try and take the top 200 data every 15 minutes to understand what's going on throughout the the launch period or the dividend review or matching engine or stuff like that and i think it was for i believe it was for matching engine potentially um no it was the original dividend review and i literally could not get on the, the platform so I, I couldn't even try and do this analysis even if I wanted mm. to but now for um, on the back of that as well I actually ended up selling some Dean Hendersons I didn't really want to sell because goalkeepers then got added <laughs> um, but they were in the sell queue I couldn't get onto uh, unlist so they were gone um, but then with the new dividend review and today I have had no issues getting on the website or the app which I think bodes really really well for the future. Mm. Absolutely. And before we get on to the next question from FBI Trader, do you know something I never do, guys? I never fucking do it. I never give shout-outs to people who leave reviews, but you know what it is? Here's what I'm asking, obvious. There's a whole bunch of new listeners. There's really loads, like loads, which is great for Football Index. But what it also means is that there's loads of people looking for Football Index podcasts. And what I need you to do for me, if you like the show and if you think I'm a nice guy... Be my fucking friend. Do you know what I mean? Go in, hit five stars and leave it on the app. It has to be on Apple. That's the killer. Go and steal your girlfriend's phone if she has an iPhone and you don't. Or if you're a girl who listens, steal your boyfriend's phone. Do you know? Um, or if you want to be even kinder, go and leave a review. Like Joe, 3,333,333 3, 3, said. He's got a really weird handle. John is brilliant. The perfect host. To the point and with great lols. Always on topic and with great guests. John is helping to shape FI into the exciting platform that it is. Now, disclaimer, I picked the last one that was there. I didn't go hunting for self-praise. Uh, thank you, Joe. But geez, I feel a bit embarrassed reading that out. Very good podcast to keep up the date with the index was FI Peel. So, Joe, go, go. I'll give you a shout out next week if you do it. Um, so, yeah, there we are. There's, there's a wee plug. The only one you'll get all episodes. So, go and fucking do it. FBI Trader. Zen is a question for each of you. Zen. 
he had a lot. He, he had nice words to say about you better last week in the podcast. Actually, don't know if you listened. There was a one on one special. Um, if you haven't, you probably should. But Zane, what advice would you give to traders to build emotional self control so they can achieve their full trading potential? Yeah, that's a very good question, and 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 it should be my speciality, really. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the the most important thing is. Um, is to be okay with yourself. This is going to sound a little bit new agey, but 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 genuinely, people talk all the time. We talk about not getting overextended in football index. You know, it's it's very easy to sort of get sucked in with rockets. Uh, it's about to boom. It's the start of a new era. You know, even even on this day when we're being so positive, I'm still going to say to people, do not put more money into this platform than you can afford. And that's not because. Uh, I, I want you to. I'm scared of you, you know, bankrupting yourself so much. Is that you will stress yourself if you put too much money in. If you are worrying about the amount of money that's in the index, if you're worrying about how much your portfolio has dropped today, you've really, really got to ask yourself why that worry exists. Because if you were, if you were completely cool with this amount of money that you had in here, you'd probably be worrying a little bit less. And so actually just two things so so being okay with the amount of money that you've got in is is crucial because then days like today they just don't stress you out and therefore you don't do stupid stuff you don't make stupid decisions and the second thing is that ultimately the only person that you are answerable to is yourself it really really doesn't matter what twitter or the forum or slack think of your choice you know we, we all sometimes you know like to sort of make a buy or make a sell and then take to take to social media and tell everybody about it and then we hate it when five people go well that was a bloody stupid thing to do you know instantly we feel we feel down about it but it doesn't matter it, the only person that you're answerable to is, is yourself and if you can stay in that mindset um you will a be more patient when you need to be patient and you will be okay with taking a loss when you take a loss, but it's, it's on you. And, and the, one of the really big things that I go on about and Twitter all the time is, is self-responsibility in all things. It's never anybody else's fault. It's, it's never really FI's fault as much as we love to blame them for stuff. You know, I would say to people, you know, take a, a mindset of it's on me. If I make this buy, it's on me. If I make the sale, it's on me. Always, always stay like that, and and you will be able to live with yourself. A big thing I tag on to the back of that. Um, I'd recommend people going back and listen to the Steve Ward episode if they're into this, uh, this sort of emotional side of trading, or the Denise Shull one. But the Steve Ward one was particularly good. It's every time you make a trade, don't just think of the potential monetary profit or the losses you can make. Think of the emotional impact. Do you know? Look at the upside and downside. Look at the best case scenario and how that'll make you feel. Think of the worst case scenario and how that'll make you feel. So, for example, Zaniolo yesterday, not only should you have been looking, okay, I can actually buy now for 230, that's a big hit. Okay, but what happens? What's best case? This is the bottom and this rises. How does that make me feel? Great. Okay, what's worst case scenario? Geez, they're changing to the offers coming in tomorrow. I'm going to buy them at 230. Fuck, what if he bottoms out at like 180? What if he bottoms out at 150? How would that make me feel? fuck i couldn't deal with that i'd be fucking raging at myself just leave it off it's not worth it just another really specific point there are little process things that you can do to to um to have better discipline um so one of the things that i do is i have a rule 
that if I buy a player, that player has to have been on my watch list for a minimum of seven days before I buy. And I never, ever break that rule because Fuck. I know that as much as it's so tempting to go, oh, riser or, or, or tweet or, you know, <laughs> something and jump on, I know that's where, because I keep data, that is where I make all of my biggest losses. Mm. And so what I do is I just take that out of my trading game, even though I have to be so self-disciplined and sometimes turn down the opportunities and sometimes very profitable opportunities but it's not about that outcome it's about doing what i need to do to be consistent and i know that if i trade in a more measured manner where i look at a player and i know a little bit even if it's just seven days worth of history if i know what's been going on and i've given it that sort of due diligence 99 percent of the time i will make a decent profit and if I don't do it, that's when I will often end up either with a massively long stagnant hold or taking a quick loss. And so that's, you know, little things like that. If you're, if you're really hard on yourself, you can, you can do process stuff that makes you a way more consistently profitable trader. Just fucking rules that you don't break and it makes it much easier and there's less stress on the decision and the, the, the FOMO and the, the heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I like that actually. And it's something I genuinely, a bit impossible to think about it, but... I really might try and Im implement that because I know for myself that I tend to make my biggest losses and stupidest decisions out of FOMO in the moment. Like when a player scores and rises ADP, you're late to the party and you can think, fuck, that goal, like the Mason Greenwood double step over, bang it in the bottom right corner. It was just a goal. Do you know, Mason Greenwood was still Mason Greenwood. The Mason Greenwood he was the day before. Yes, he scored this goal, but he proved himself to a lot of people, but nothing really changed. Whereas if you find the next rise that's like that on the guy that hasn't had the I don't know. I always end up buying at the fucking peak after that 40p rise or whatever, and then kicking myself and like, fuck, I have to sit with this guy. Um, so I really like that sort of the, the very strict watch list rule. That's a nice one that I'm sure a few listeners will, will take on board. Bitter, FBI Trader has a question for you. Do you think traders spend enough time studying markets, trends, and analyzing sentiment? What are your top three tips in this regard? Cheers. Okay. Uh, so in my personal opinion, I feel like the answer to all three of those is that traders don't spend as much time reviewing markets, trends, but only if they want to put that amount of time into football index you can put as much time or as little time into football index as you want to based on your own personal circumstances, how much money you have in the platform and things like that. But I feel like reviewing markets, reviewing market trends can be an edge if you want it to be. Um, I feel like it's probably one of my edges. Um, so although I specialize in the top 200 really, um, I don't tend to go too much lower than that. Just having a daily review of what exactly is happening in the different in the market look at position angles look at age ranges understand where the market is moving and why um, i think there's definitely an edge to be gained from that so if you are interested i think my first tip would be to surround yourself with as much data as possible um not just data but also knowledge and opinions as well wherever they may be um, don't treat any of them as gospel 
ingest as many as you possible and uh, as you can as possible and then make your own decision off the back of all of those so i think i kind of mentioned it before but the more data points i can acquire and understand theoretically the better chance i have of making a balanced trade decision um so i think that would be the first tip um, second tip would probably be something around third party providers. So um, there are there's a lot of great opinions on Twitter, the forum, um, wherever else you um, kind of get uh, football index opinions. But then there are a lot of other tools as well. So I don't know if we necessarily want to plug them, but I use index gain a lot. There's a uh, I've got the trial to index track at the moment. So there's a lot of ways that you can access this data, even if you don't collect it yourself to give you some of those views on the market, more views on the market, more data, theoretically better decisions. And that also doesn't mean that you can't take a punt every now and then, which I kind of like to do. Um, again, not kind of putting a huge amount of money into it, but that's still where I get a little bit of fun from it. I kind of treat football index and maybe 95% of what I do. I'm very, very careful with. But then if I, like you say, I think I bought into Greenwood when I saw that uh, goal go in. So stuck a, had a little bit of a top up there as well. So, and that's kind of like the fun element of it as well. Um, and then I don't know if I can really pick out a third tip. Um, I think um, FBI trader mentioned sentiment in there as well. I'm still really just understanding sentiment in the market and how it affects the market as a whole. Obviously, the market is really going to be growing over the next three months as we start the new season and the new marketing campaign. So the way that sentiment has affected the market in the past is even going to change over the next three months. So I wouldn't really want to give a tip on there, but it's definitely something to consider if you have the time to really study individual player analysis like Zaniolo. So when the news was first released of um obviously him getting taken off the pitch uh, i think he walked off but um the first injury news what happened on the price then what were people saying on twitter when the first bits of data came out that saying like he didn't leave on crutches he i think i saw someone say like he jumped off the pitch or something like that um that is what happened to the price then um and just try and follow through what happens with players' prices as these different bits of information become apparent. And then theoretically, again, you should be able to make better decisions in the future because of that. I think the sentiment one's a really interesting point. It's I love the whole sentiment debate. People hate the word, people love the word. I love it uh, because I think it's very real. And I think there are deaf, and I, I think it's so hard to quantify and it's not tangible and put your finger on it. It's this... There's players that when they score a goal will rise 50p and there's players who are the same age at a similar type of club, similar big European nationality will score a goal and fuck all will happen. They might even drop a couple of pennies and a lot of that is down to sentiment and where the market's at and how people are talking and, and hype and this and that. Equally, there's players who can get injured and they'll drop fucking loads and there's players that will get injured and people are like, what an opportunity, never better time to buy. This is discount we've been waiting for. Do you know, it's all fucking sentiment. Um, can I can I offer a t another tip for do. this one, which is we should all hedge more, and we should especially hedge more the more in a way the more certain we feel because let's let's take the conversation we had earlier about Cherky versus Camavinga. 
Now, you see, I'm, I'm a Camavinga supporter, but you know what I should do? Buy some goddamn turkey. Even though I've just given you all the rationale about why I think Camavinga's my preferred choice, because the fact is, Cherky is a six-pound player, and, and he's got there because a lot of people like him. And I, I shouldn't ignore that. Even if you want to be contrarian, and even if that's your natural style of trading, I think it's very healthy to actually, uh, you know, <laughs> take the other side of the bet. And, and in fact, if you're, going to, if you're going to back one player, you need to lay that bet to a certain extent. Ask yourself, you know, how do I feel? Well, okay, I'm 80-20 I'm that... that Camavinga's the guy. Well, fine, but take the amount of money you were going to buy, put on Camavinga and put eighty percent of it on there, and then put twenty percent of it on the player who benefits most. If you're wrong, yeah, like I think that's interesting. I think like Man City, for example, just this is something I don't really do. Owning the two left backs Man City have, knowing that on any given game week, you're going to have your left back from Man City playing in an attacking team and an attacking role, or do you know like. Mares have Mares, but also have Bernardo Silva, have Aguero, but also have Jesus. Do you know? And I'm not saying those are great examples. I'm just thinking of rotation. Um, but it's about that hedging and about you know quite often we're saying, oh, but he, do you know he doesn't start every week? Okay, well then if you really rate him as a player, buy him, and then if he starts playing every week, you're onto a winner. And if he doesn't, you've got the other guy. Yeah, that's something to consider and something that hasn't really been discussed in the podcast before. And I think it's it is more important when the more you, especially for contrarian traders, you see, I, I and I do this a lot at the moment. I've got quite a big holding in Zinchenko, which probably a lot of people will think is mad, because the current sentiment is. Cancelo's amazing. Cancelo's gone through the roof in, in, in recent weeks. And uh, and I don't actually have any Cancelo, mm. but I should have because I'm looking at it thinking, you know, Cancelo's gone so high that all that is left now is this. He's, he's, he's still de- perfectly decent value, but he's now, he's not exceptional value after he's risen so much. I'm now looking at Zinchenko going, the minute Zinchenko gets a start, which he's going to because Pep rotates, the minute Zinchenko plays and gets a decent score, everybody's going to go, holy shit, how cheap is Zinchenko compared to Cancelo? And, and, and you get the big rise. And that's that's what I'm trading on. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. But what I should also acknowledge is that maybe is that maybe I'm wrong and maybe Cancelo is going to spend, you know, the vast majority of the season at left back for Man City. And I should, you know, I should, I should hedge that a bit a little bit. I think there's also maybe a a slight counter argument to that as well. Um, so I have kind of gone with that approach where I do hedge in certain ways. So I actually, I don't hold a huge number of shares in any one player. Um, I think I've got just over 500 shares, but that's over about 80 players. So my average is probably between five and 10 shares with the aim of kind of picking up small amounts of dividends, but hopefully fairly regularly. What I've noticed with that is because I'm, again, kind of focused mainly on the top 200 is because the money moves around, if because I am for my portfolio size, potentially a little over diversified, money will come out of one player in that scenario. So say Cancelo money goes into Zinchenko or goes comes from whenever, whatever and goes into Zinchenko. If I own both of them, I don't actually gain a huge amount because it's money coming out of one of my own players and just into another. So it's just kind of flowing around my portfolio rather than being naturally an, an increase. Um, so I think that might just be something to consider as well. Yeah, that's interesting. It's kind of, what's it kind of like? 
I don't even know what it's kind of like. I had a shit round. I had a shit analogy, but I'm not even going to use it. We're going to move on. F.I. Peel, who was one of the lucky reviewers who got read out. Good man, Peel. Do you think order books will be a benefit to people with a good footballing knowledge, or will it be more of a benefit to those that can predict market reactions to certain events? So I think what this is kind of maybe going along on a broader spectrum is the general football fan versus trader. Do you know, I'd say a lot of people who are big football fans who like football index for a bit of a punt at the weekend are a little bit scared or nervous about order books where the shark traders can come in and fucking dick them. <laughs> what do you make of that, Bitter? I believe that it's it's a complicated situation because Football Index is such a complicated platform as well. And in itself, that could be quite a challenge to sell to new traders who haven't had any experience football index before once we go into saturday for example um i don't know i imagine that football index should be fairly visible on saturday from like a tv perspective particularly with there being more um games being televised now how do you describe the prospect and all of the little nuances of football index to people within a 30 second tv ad slot um so i think that we are still in a, a growth market i think football index is still right at the pretty close obviously it's still been it's been around for like three or four years now but it's still at the start of its journey really so i think it will be um likely that more people make money than don't make money over the next year or two but then at some point finding that edge is going to be important whether it is mindset like zen if it is looking at overall market trends like myself if it's specializing in like the french league like genesis if it's specializing in youth players specializing in capital appreciation specializing in um kind of older player peak dividend earners i think people will need to try and find what their little niche is in order to stay successful over the long run purely because it has become more of a trader versus trader platform today zen have you anything on that yeah well this is where this is where probably an, an older an older trader's perspective is interesting um i uh, made i probably made more money um in 2017 18 uh than i have done in the last six months even though i know an awful lot more now than i did then um i made money in 2017 18 when i first came onto the platform because it was extremely easy to make money in 2017 18 <laughs> on this platform and, and and this and and this reset that we've had today creates that again i think bitter is exactly right there is there is a big margin for error right now most of the index is considerably undervalued so you're going to have to really screw up to not make money so i think there's there's a huge protection there new traders shouldn't be put off what they should do is trade 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 because that is how you will learn mm. if you don't learn anything from the trades that you make as time goes on, a year from now, 18 months from now, you will start to find it harder mm. because the, the, the prices will sort of will catch up. Um, so I think the, to answer the question directly, I think the biggest benefit of this change is, is, um, is to system traders. I think you absolutely need to learn, keep data and use that to get better. 
those are the traders. They will learn how uh, order books creates new trading cycles, new trading rhythms. The more you can pick up on that, the more you can create this consistently profitable strategy that you can then rely on. For the moment, you've got a lot of margin for error. So trade, 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 screw up, don't worry, all boats are gonna, are gonna rise with these uh, increased dividends, but use this next three, six, 12 months to get your system down, and then you will have a long-term future on this platform as well. Mm. well that's it perfectly ties in with my sort of recommendation I give to people when they first sign up. It's the, how do, what do I do, what do I do? And everyone gets this FOMO, they think they're gonna be rich overnight and they need to start buying the right players. The way I say it is, look, go and pick your 15 favorite players and buy them. Pick your favorite 30, buy them. Look, put bids in, see what happens, and just watch their prices over the next couple of weeks and discover why they are shitholes, why Salah is his price, even though he's arguably the, be the best player in the league. Do you know, or understand those little nuances and the weird things. Learn about the United bias and its removal. Learn about media dividends. Oh, God, Jesus, what's an IPD? Learn about these things for the first month or so. And look, if you break even, great. If you make money, even better. If you lose a few pennies, who gives a fuck? You've learned it. It's worth it. Think of it as paying, buying your way in like paying for like a, a, a fucking course in football index and then once you hit a point where you feel you understand the product it'll be a bit more intuitive and you can you can really start to trade so for any beginners who are listening that's what i'd suggest i would wrap it up now guys would, sorry better come on in there sorry just to say one final thing um i would completely agree with that so my one of the biggest things i've learned since i joined football index around six months ago is start small and like you said pick the players by the players that you enjoy watching that you think you know some stuff about because you know you're more likely to learn because of that my initial deposit was only 20 quid i think um and with that i bought some absolute tat like do john sterling because he was a wigan athletic player and i'm a wigan athletic fan and i lost uh, even though it was 20 quid full deposit, I think I lost a quid plus on him alone. Um, I did manage to make a couple of good decisions like Timo Werner, Donny van der Beek at the time was getting some United um, hope. Um, but overall, that 20 quid, even though I did come out of it about a quid or two down, I learned so much from that 20 pounds, like much more in terms of monetary value. Mm. Um more than 20 quid just by learning and understanding how the index was working and that wasn't even when there was any pb available that was still when there was only media uh dividends available um during the, the covid lockdown and things like that so yeah i would absolutely echo that if you are a new starter and listening to it start small pick players that you enjoy watching and then as zen said try and learn as much as you can from them over time the i was just about to say i think that's great advice I would wrap it up now normally, but there's a question here I feel I have to ask. So, Chris Hall, thank you for your question. Uh, Aiden submitted a couple. Barry Dardis did two. Barry's been around for, for months. He'll understand I have to leave them out every so often. This has been a long episode. And I would leave you out to G, a.k.a. at CPFC underscore GH, but I just can't leave this question out. My first question, so forgive me if it's shit. Do you know, I can't leave him out because if I leave him out now, he'll think his question was shit and he'll never give us any more. We love everyone's questions, but they won't be asked every week. It just depends. Is the update going to separate the top end and bottom end, especially with the want from FI to bring in market makers and high net worth individuals? Or they'll all want the top players, which casts off some of the sub one pound players. 
do either of you have any real opinion on this? Do you think there's going to be a bigger disconnect between the... Do you think the bottom will stay static? Like, when I say the bottom, I mean players that are actually genuinely risky, shit, whatever else, sub a quid. There are obviously some gems in there. Do you think there will be a bigger disconnect between the bottom and the top? Um, or do you think all boats will rise? I think, I, I think completely the opposite. I think I think it has never been better. I, I love the sub pound fifty market. That is mostly where I trade. Um, and one of the problems that we've had over the last 12 months is that uh, there has been far too much money, <clears throat> excuse me, far too much money uh, has kind of gone into the premiums, gone into um, elite youth, and uh, the bottom of the market has suffered. But the way that they did the dividends uh, increase this time and made it generous for bronze days, made it generous for IPDs, is going to reinvigorate the bottom of the market. And as someone who trades actively and trades the sub £1.50 market, I am absolutely full of confidence that that is where I will continue to do an awful lot of business. So no, I don't think, I think it's the opposite. I think the disconnect is going to reduce and I think you can trade all areas of this market and make money. I would pretty much echo that. So I think the IPDs, from my perspective, um, are a big thing for the the lower end of the market. Um, Another bit of analysis that I looked into and I was quite surprised by was um, over the course of last season, um, and I'm pretty sure I'm getting this right, I wanted to have a look at the whole spectrum and I was quite surprised to realize that I'm pretty sure it was something like 75% of total players won dividends of some kind last season. So although because we you have kind of like top forward, top midfielder, top defender, and now top goalkeeper and star man, although that seems like quite a elite group of players that are going to win those dividends on a regular basis there is still a lot of players that kind of dip up and win maybe one or two of those pbs during the, the course of a season so there are still plenty of dividends to have across the index not just in the top 200 um so yeah i i kind of agree with zen that i don't feel like there would be a disconnect and i feel like they've got the balance quite nice hopefully for this forthcoming season well the rg there's your question answered it wasn't a shite question it was actually a pretty good one guys it's been an absolute pleasure and i really mean that i'm really liking this trio setup i think i need to do it more often i said that last week i really enjoy i think it's great having three people to bounce off um i'll start with you better do you want to tell people where they can find you if you want find yeah definitely so plug yourself as much as you can. <laughs> so yeah um uh, primarily uh, on twitter so at fi bidder on the um i'm also on youtube so every so often i release a state of the market video um where i do some of this analysis on the top 200 primarily and I look at some of the people who have risen the most, some people who have fallen the most, who has increased in spread, decreased in spread, just a bit of a um, normally what is sort of like a weekly review of the market um, and then going down to individual players as well. So um, you can find me on YouTube. I'm at fo- uh, Football Index Bidder on there as well. Um, I dabbling in instagram at the moment so if you are on instagram and interested to see how much audience is on there so follow me on there as well and i'll probably start adding more stuff i will give you a follow now while zen tells us where we can find him <laughs> uh, so you can find me i'm at zen fi trading on twitter and uh 
I'm there all the time. <laughs> uh, in fact, so <laughs> much, so much so, my my, I wish I was as good at trading as I am at Twitter. I, I have to give you a shout out, John. Uh, Four thousand Twitter followers, my friend. Well done. Oh, ho, ho, ho. You've literally got, you've gone through that in the last while well, we've been on air. I think. Four thousand and three, baby. I, th- I think I seen it just before we recorded. I didn't want to make any. I didn't want to say anything because some fucker will always unfollow you. Like, but yeah, we hit the the four K mark and I hit a K on YouTube. That's a big thing. I never ask people on here to do. Go and follow me on YouTube or subscribe. That's a big thing. But yeah, keenly observed. Then um, there we are. There's a little milestone. On to five K next with all these new fucking traders. Get them into the net and abuse them. Um, but yeah guys I think that's about all we've time for thank you so much for, for your time and I'm sure we'll chat again thanks very much John yeah thanks very much John cheers lads <laughs>